Welcome to the Park Podcast, where dialogue across difference is vital to community wellness. I'm Dr. Leah Howard, your host in the space where open dialogue, the free exchange of ideas, and civil and robust expression of divergent views is valued. Here we will explore the research, the practical applications, and the benefits of effective, ethical, and civil dialogue in a diverse world. We hope to model respectful conversation that accurately and authentically frames contentious issues, hoping to reach an ideologically diverse audience. Welcome to the fifth episode of our series on communities of practice. We ask our partner organizations to help us better understand both how they see the Penn community and to describe the types of practices they use to engage others in their work on campus. The nonprofit Campus Compact defines community of practice as a learning community or collegial network defined as a group of people who share interest in an area of inquiry and engage in collective learning about that issue as it relates to their work or practice. Through discussions, joint activities, and relationship building, the community of practice develops a shared and individual repertoire of resources, skills, and knowledge to use in their practice. How can we learn together about our community as citizens and what practices best facilitate that learning? Our guests today are experts at creating community for students who are the first in their families to pursue a four-year baccalaureate degree or who come from modest financial circumstances. We are looking forward to hearing today about Penn First Plus at the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome to Mark Lowe, the Executive Director of Penn First Plus, Keisha Johnson, Director of the Pre-Freshman Program, and Hatef Alavi, Associate Director of Penn First Plus. Thank you for the deeply important work you do at Penn First Plus, the university's hub for efforts to make the campus more inclusive of all forms of diversity, specifically at the intersections of social and economic background. The past couple years have been so challenging, and we are very interested and curious to hear your ideas about the Penn community and advocating for students across campus. Mark, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role as the executive director of Penn First Plus? Hi, Leah. Thanks so much for that graceful introduction. Uh, I grew up in a hostel where my mother was a part-time x-ray technologist. My father was a bartender, server, and, and caterer. Um, and we come from a recent family history of being farmers and truck drivers. And so I, I come from what I think a lot of folks would consider the working class, relatively humble means. And, you know, had the excitement of getting my first admission letter from Northeastern University and heading off there to college and having a wonderful educational journey that made me fall in love with the idea of working with uh, college students for a living. My research when I went to get my PhD was very much focused on uh, first generation and limited income undergraduates who were attending highly selective private research universities in in an urban center. Uh, So an environment that closely mirrors Penn and when the opportunity to come to Penn and to help uh, lead its efforts to be more inclusive of its increasingly socioeconomic diversity, uh, I mean, I I just couldn't ignore that possibility. So, of course, I had to apply, and here I am today working with folks like Keisha and Hatef 
to build partnerships and build an understanding of how we can be more inclusive of folks who may not come from experiences where they have access to, to the knowledge of how to navigate a, a place so rife with opportunity as the University of Pennsylvania. Mark, thanks so much for sharing a little bit about your personal background, too, and what draws you to this important work. It was a great story. Um, Keisha, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role as the director of the pre-freshman program? Uh, thank you, Leah, and also thank you to the Padilla program for hosting us today. Um, I guess I'll first like to share how I feel very fortunate to serve in my role because it aligns with my passion and also my lived experience. So I'm originally, originally from Baltimore, Maryland, and I was first in my family to go to college. Um, so my curiosity uh, and love of science and helping others has definitely influenced my career path. Um, after receiving my bachelor's degree in biology and a master's degree um, in agricultural science, um, I served as a biologist with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And then soon after, I transitioned into higher education. And that's where I've spent over 12 years managing equity, inclusion, and student access programs. So in my current role as director of the pre-freshman program, um, just to summarize some of the things that I do, I collaborate closely with campus partners in providing a undergraduate summer bridge experience that fosters academic acclimation and a sense of belonging as students transition into Penn. And also engaged in year-round programmatic and student support efforts of Penn First Plus and other university initiatives um, to carry out our commitment to student success and wellness. Um, I like to say that our goal is to support students through the navigation of the first day that they step foot on campus through their journey to graduation on Franklin Field. Keisha, that's excellent. I had no idea about the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. I have lots of questions for you about that, but thanks for sharing um, about your passion for students. Hatef, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your role as the Associate Director of Penn First Plus? Of course. Thank you, Leah, for having us. Uh, to start off, I was born in Iran and raised there for the first 13 years of my life. Um, in 1998, my family and I immigrated to the United States so that we can have access to more opportunities and to create a better life for ourselves. That transition period was very difficult for all of us, um, mainly due to the cultural and language barriers and the lack of access to social and financial capital. Uh, we really had to start from the bottom and work our way up the ladder. Uh, but through the grace of God and hard work and some help from our relatives, uh, we were able to establish ourselves. I am a middle child and the first in my family to receive a baccalaureate degree in addition to a master and a professional degree. After high school, I went to Rowan University where I got my bachelor's in psychology with a concentration in leadership studies. And while I was there, I was extremely involved on campus. And through that engagement, I just knew that I wanted to pursue a career in higher education. And so shortly after graduation um, from Rowan, graduating from Rowan, I attended the University of Pittsburgh where I got my master's in higher education management. And then I worked in residence life for several years, which was a great experience for me before going back to school at Rowan in 2016 to obtain my doctorate degree, which I finished in 2020. The way that I got to Penn was that I was going through my dissertation process and I came across this posting, um, you know, and after I read it, I realized that uh, it 
it was right up my alley. My research focused on first-generation Black men attending predominantly white institutions um, and the impact of their sense of belonging on their campus integration. So once I got here, as part of my responsibilities now, I coordinate developmental programming for students, faculty, and staff in collaboration with campus partners and various stakeholders. I also liaise with our student advisory board and faculty working group on ongoing um, new initiatives that will support Figley students at Penn, triage pressing student financial needs and work with student financial services and student intervention services to recommend supplemental financial support to Figley students and work with our P1P staff on strategizing new initiatives that provide students with access to capital and finding new ways to enhance their overall Penn experience. Oh, that is excellent. And it's so wonderful to hear about your immigration experience from Iran. These, all these things that I'm learning about my wonderful colleagues, I'm, this is such a wonderful experience. So thank you for sharing about you and what you do here at Penn. I want to think a bit with you all about the Penn community and what it looks like from your vantage point at Penn First Plus. You're experts at fostering a more inclusive, socioeconomically diverse community at Penn. Mark, can we start with you? When you think of the Penn community, what comes to mind? In a place that is historically laden with associations typical of Ivy League institutions, how do you work to shift the ethos of campus to be inclusive of students who are either first-generation college students and or come from limited incomes and middle-class backgrounds? Well, well, I need to start off with acknowledging is the fact that Penn is, is a pretty large space, right? We have a community of over 25,000 students, if you include undergraduates, graduates, and uh, members of our LPS community. Uh, and that's before we get even get into the faculty and staff and the university health system. So when I think about the Penn community, I think about the, the realities of living in, in a space that is much like a miniature uh, city or town where there are sub-enclaves where folks are finding their community. When I think about how we move the needle forward of, of being more inclusive of our, our first-gen and limited-income student populations, it, it's about making more transparent the ways in which we can find community, scaffolding that entry for our students. You know, I look toward the Gateway Student Mentorship Initiative that Penn First Plus piloted. I, I look toward the uh, first year exposure to research and biology program that we work with uh, our colleagues on biology to help facilitate, or the first year exposure to research in STEM which, that we work with with our colleagues in C's. You know, making these pockets of community more accessible to those students by, sh by evidencing, showing them uh, the, the pathway to, to finding the place that they, they can call home while they're here um, and also making sure that we're also alleviating some of the economic barriers to finding community as well not not every social opportunity has to have a cost attached with it sometimes it's just enough to be uh, around the table uh, sharing conversation uh, you know ideally sharing something tasty that uh, no one at the table had to had to really pay for um, and just connecting in those meaningful and deep ways. Um, and so making sure that we foster more of that uh, for our students is part of our goal here. 
Oh, Mark, that's really cool. I love how you talked about these uh, kind of research pathways becoming homes, uh, intellectual homes for students. That's a really interesting concept that I'm going to think more about. Keisha, can you tell us about how the pre-freshman program works to transform inclusivity at Penn? Surely, another great question. Um, I, I think um, I can answer that in, in several ways. I like to think that um, our program, so the pre-freshman program, it models inclusive excellence. Um, so I'll give a couple examples and in, in how I want to um, justify that statement. So um, we begin with a, collabor a collaborative uh, selection process, and that happens between the undergraduate schools, admissions, PennCap, and Penn First Plus. And so we select a diverse cohort of students who may be first generation, lower middle income. They may be a graduate of a under-resourced high school. Um, they may come from a rural or urban community. Uh, they could be a student athlete or homeschool. So we select this cohort to participate in a, in a four week academically focused residential experience on campus. So that's number one. Another thing we do is um, while we're very closely with uh, Penn First Plus faculty co-directors um, and how we design the actual curriculum um, and also with the Center for Teaching and Learning and how we train instructors um, on inclusive teaching strategies. So all of those things like work together in how we are intentional and in how we design um, PFP. Uh, through the partnerships with undergraduate schools um, and other campus partners, I think a common theme that you've heard from Mark and Hatef is that we work very collaboratively across campus. And so when students are here for those four weeks, we introduce students to their school advising and other campus resources that they may find um, useful, especially as they navigate um, from that high school to, to Penn experience. And so by connecting them with these resources, it helps to promote student and faculty and staff interactions. Um, and also it provides students with the opportunity to become familiar with available resources. And I also want to touch on um, our partnership with PINCAP uh, because we train and we select uh, peer mentors. Uh, and, and along working with our students, peer mentors, we implement co-curricular and cultural programming throughout. We weave it throughout the four-week summer experience. Um, and throughout the first year uh, that students are here on campus, they're also assigned to um, professional individual professional uh, counselors from uh, PINCAP until graduation. So all of this together, again, it, it, it promotes student-to-student -student engagement. Um, it promotes that building of community. Um, and, I, and I feel that it also helps to serve the student holistically. So we're not just looking at the academics, but we're looking at the whole student. And so our students actually become ambassadors in every space they enter. So I think that contributes to um, inclusivity. And so I also think that this intentional and uh, robust approach and how we design PFP from start to finish is a potential best practice in creating and transforming um, inclusion at Penn. Keisha, thank you so much. Yes, best practice indeed. And I'm glad you highlighted the collaboration piece because I keep hearing collaboration from, from all of you and I appreciate that. Hatef, what would you like to add? Um, what does this look like at the big vision level, inclusivity, of course, and at the programming level? 
Yeah, so uh, at the programming level, my focus is really on leveling the playing field for our Figley students and ensuring that they have access to different forms of capital. Uh, Figley students come from different walks of life and experiences, and due to their pre-college circumstances, they may not always have, ha have access to certain resources or information. Even though they are very resilient and have great work ethic, it is still paramount for us to offer them academic, social, socio socio psychosocial, and sociocultural support as much as we can, practice advocacy and allyship, and promote and encourage that in other spaces as well. Uh, we also uh, always speak about our Figley students from an asset lens and a growth mindset. We identify areas of growth and development of our students and then, and then introduce them to various campus resources and promote engagement through intentional programming, leadership and developmental opportunities, and ways that they can enhance their skills, not only inside, but also outside of the classroom. So not only do we have a very strong fig league uh, you know, community at Pan, but we also have a very strong commu community amongst our faculty and staff who are very eager in joining our community and contributing to it in a meaningful way. Oh, thank you. That's so wonderful to hear. And I really appreciate that asset model, how, how important. Um, so I want to move into thinking about uh, how we engage community. And your website notes four important goals that guide your practice. I want to read them here. So it says, reporting to the deputy vice provost and working in close partnership with units in university life, student engagement, and financial aid, Penn First Plus is uniquely situated to advocate for students and collaborate with faculty and staff across all facets of the university. In that capacity, Penn First Plus collaborates with undergraduate colleges and their faculty on initiatives to promote more inclusive pedagogy, accessible curricula, and holistic advising for undergrads provides programming that empowers students to map individualized pathways through their Penn experience, partners with colleagues in student registration and financial services, and across campus to find ways to make Penn's academic and extracurricular opportunities more affordable and accessible, and promotes the importance of socioeconomic diversity in the academy. Mark, can you comment on these four goals or avenues for change and say how they help Penn embrace academic and socioeconomic backgrounds in students? Do you have any stories on how this works specifically? Sure. Uh, again, thank you for uh, a very, uh, very big question that I'm going to do my best to tackle. I think where a lot of this really starts with the notion of, of collaboration and recognizing that our current team of for full-time colleagues is not enough alone to meet the needs of a population of students that's about 2,000 undergraduates, right? And so when we talk about um, collaboration, it's really about building the capital amongst our faculty and staff to understand the ways in which their choices about the format of, of their resources, of their programming, how they frame topics in conversation or in their course materials, can make students from uh, some communities, some backgrounds, feel unwelcome at Penn. And so what we work to do is provide opportunities for training and conversation in, in those particular spaces. I think that one of the highlights of this is the Penn First Plus Ambassador Program, which Tess and I co-developed with a, a group of students to say, this is the experience of being first generation and or limited income at Penn. And here's some evidence-based advice as to how to think about being more inclusive 
of, of this population of students. Um, you know, what I think a tough will talk about a little bit is the fact that with every single program that we facilitate, we don't think about what our students are missing. We're thinking, we think about what our students um, need to translate their skills into to be successful at Penn. And so when I think about our research and internship boot camp, which is a, a four-hour experience that is co-facilitated with the Career Services and the Center for Undergraduate Research and Fellowships, that is helping our students take everything that they've done in the past, whether it be in support of their family or for a part-time job that they had in high school or what have you, and translate those skills into something that will get them to the next stage of their academic or professional journey. Um, a lot of the conversations that we tend to have um, across Penn around affordability, and, and that's fair because we are at an institution whose tuition, fees, room, board, and other expenses are about $84,000 a year. And that is a, that is a difficult price point for, for most families. And so we work with our colleagues in financial aid and in other spaces to make the burden of, uh, of the financial burden of attending Penn uh, more accessible to students. And then what are the things that are considered, you know, extras, but still part of the Penn experience that we can provide some other form of specialized grant so the student can take that wonderful underpaid internship in Washington, D.C. or in New York or in some other part of the country or world and, and really seize the opportunity to uh, make, make that dream a, a reality. And what I, I want to go back to, you know, uh, part of one of your earlier questions around the image of who is able to come to a, a place like Penn to, to address the fourth bullet point and, and to just say that um, from an equity perspective, we have to hold two things. First is the fact that places like Penn serve a very small percentage of the total college going population. And so I say that acknowledging some humility and also acknowledging the fact that places like Penn take up an outsized portion of the narrative of college going and higher education in this country. Part of that is because of all the resources and opportunities that they, they provide that gives them a certain level of prestige and or rank. And so if, if we consider for a moment an argument around equity, that if we want to provide access to uh, as equitable access as possible to as many wonderful opportunities uh, as a student can can locate, then places like Penn have a particularly unique burden in in making sure that we are at that our socioeconomic diversity and the ways in which we include students from limited resource communities um, are robust. You know, we need to do more in the space, continue to expand those resources. Um, because the reality is that outside of Penn, a, a lot of the work around promoting, you know, access to professional opportunities, to economic mobility, uh, comes from community colleges and regional master's institutions. And so there's a piece of this where Penn in particular has, has an obligation to recognize its, its, its privilege, the privilege that it holds, and use that privilege uh, for the greater good. Um, especially when it comes around issues of socioeconomic uh, and racial diversity. 
Well, well said. That's so very interesting. And I appreciate much of what you said, Mark. I was hearing kind of a bi-directionality. The arrow, arrows seem to go both ways between um, your students and the university community, both they're explaining their experience and they're learning from, um, you know, the different programs through boot camps and, and then again through their ambassadorship. Very, very cool. So Keisha, how does the pre-freshman program work to achieve these goals, perhaps focus specifically on the second goal, to empower students? students to map individualized pathways through their pen experience? Uh, sure. Thank, thank you again for the question, Leah. Um, I think I'll, um, I'll build upon what, what Mark said. Mark previously said that uh, he spoke about evidence-based advice. So um, I like to say that our program uses data and uh, to inform how we program and make decisions. And so using institutional survey data and student feedback, we've learned how students consistently highlight um, or identified an increased sense of belonging after participated in, after participating in PFP. So they've, they've often um, shared how uh, it's made a difference um, in their comfort uh, with connecting with, to campus resources, asking questions, uh, going to office hours, uh, or even simply finding peer groups that they could actually relate to and with. So providing students with um, this foundation in an environment where they feel like they can belong and that they feel supported, this supports retention. And it can be a catalyst for students to map their individualized pathways through Penn. So when students are feeling comfortable, they're more likely to exercise their agency um, and explore their interests, whether it's choosing or changing their major. Uh, or simply taking advantage of the vast opportunities that Penn has to offer. I mean, this can include participating in research, uh, community-based organizations, or even um, study abroad opportunities, all that align with the students' uh, personal and academic goals. So we want our students to feel supported um, and also to become more comfortable with navigating challenges. As I've talked a little bit about uh, growth mindset, so. We also want to encourage that, encourage students to build that, that growth mindset. Um, and sometimes they have to gently be nudged to also operate outside of their comfort zone. And so I think that all of this is important as they map out their individualized pathway at Penn. Keisha, thanks so much for that. How interesting that belonging is at the heart of, of their of student agency as they see and, and map out their, their plan here at Penn. Really important ideas. Hataf, what examples or stories might you add to what Mark and Keisha have already shared regarding the community of practice practiced by P1P? Of course. So, you know, as we have mentioned, community practice is very important to us and we collaborate with a lot of different stakeholders on various opportunities. Uh, we are very purposeful when, you know, with our efforts uh, in not only nurturing those connections, but also further expanding on them. So a couple of examples that I can use is uh, in our Emergency and Opportunity Fund Committee, which just, which just won the 2002 Models of Excellence Program Award. This is a collective effort between Student Intervention Services, Student Financial Services, and Penn First Plus in addressing the socioeconomic diversity our students are faced with on a daily basis. Students don't need to identify as vaguely or highly aided to apply. This opportunity is open to all students. And so uh, as a committee, we meet on a weekly basis to discuss each applicant, review their application and eligibility, and then provide them with the funding accordingly. 
Another example is something that Mark alluded to uh, a little bit earlier, is the uh, is our research and internship resume bootcamp program, which just with, with which just won the NASPA Excellence Award in the first generation student success category, uh, which is a partnership with our Career Services and Center for Undergraduate Research and Fellowship. Uh, this program was established in January of 2019, and we had about 50 students who attended the four-hour session, and we have been doing a great job in maintaining that, that level of that same level of success and engagement throughout the pandemic. The next program that we do for our campus body is our P1P ambassador training, which is the homegrown training program that was developed to further inform faculty and staff um, about our Figley students, their lived experiences, ways in which class plays a factor in their overall experiences, and how through effective and intentional mentorship and advising, uh, you know, we can help our students to have a more positive PAN experience. And then lastly, uh, last year, you know, P1P and, uh, and VPUL teamed up on a study break program before finals where each various office offered a different relaxation activity or space for our students to come to, to, come to um, and hang out, grab something to eat um, before finals and, and just kind of, you know, relax themselves, uh, you know, before finals began. So community of practice is extremely important to the work that we do. Um, and I think there's still, you know, many opportunities for us to expand on this work work um, and to build new connections with other colleagues in the department and further identify best practices to, to ensure that our student success. Well, congratulations, P1P, on all these awards. That's excellent. From NASPA and the Model of Excellence Award, congratulations. I'm really proud of you and um, really excited uh, to have colleagues that are uh, so accomplished and doing such wonderful work. So congratulations. Um, the past almost two years have been deeply challenging, and I want to just spend a minute reflecting on that with you all. We're living through a pandemic, which has altered the way we live and work. We've been exposed to tragedies like the murder of George Floyd, chilling acts of anti-Asian hate crimes, and what's going on now in the Ukraine. Yet we've witnessed widespread protest marches where people of all races have joined together to decry these deep injustices. We've experienced political toxicity, polarization, even an insurrection on our Capitol building in Washington, D.C., yet we've also seen a record amount of voting and political participation. All these things have influenced the way we as U.S. citizens think about our U.S. community, and they've rippled out to affect the way we think about Penn as well. In short, living in community is both challenging and invigorating, deeply painful at times, yet deeply rewarding. We want to examine what are some of the challenges and joys of your work within the Penn community. So Mark, what are some of the things that have been challenging this year and what have been some of the things that have brought you joy, hope, and encouragement? I, you know, just prior to us having this conversation, I was having um, a, a socially distanced, perfectly COVID compliant launch with a, a group of students that, that I mentor. And I think even with what is happening sociopolitically in the world right now, getting signs that the pandemic is coming to an end and we can more comfortably break bread and socialize, um, the, the mood in the room was different than it has been in, in any of the most recent semesters. And so that, that brought me significant joy, just being able to witness students uh, smile and be excited about what, what might what a post-spring break, potentially post-COVID pen uh, might look like. It's 
made me mindful of the power of nonverbal cues in communicating with someone, which is more difficult to read when you are, you know, protecting yourself and others by wearing a mask. I think another piece of this is um, just the reality of the last two years of, of deep trauma that you acknowledged, Leah. I think between, um, you know, increasingly voyeuristic coverage of uh, racial injustice, which, to be clear, has, has always existed in the United States and across the world, uh, but has captivated media in ways that I, you know, I want to take a, a brief second to problematize um, in, in ways that they, they've centered ratings over uh, ethical care of communities of color and, and, and allied spaces. Um, between that, between the social political unrest, both in the United States and, and abroad, um, and also the, the very real challenges of how do you engage an academic community when everything is filtered uh, through a computer screen. Um, and you only get to, get to witness so much of a person, uh, whether it be uh, voice or picture. Um, and how challenging that can be when you might be in a location that uh, potentially doesn't have broadband access. Um, or when you are navigating uh, you know, being both a student in college and being the person taking care of members of your family because you're um, studying remotely. I think that's been a lot to hold for a lot of members of our community. And I want to be clear that this is students, faculty, and staff as well, um, especially as we move back to being increasingly in person and having to understand, you know, how do we care for our families and how do we care for ourselves? Um, now that we're not Zoom hopping between classes and meetings and whatnot. But I think another piece that gives me encouragement and this draws from some of the lessons of those experiences um, is how much more sensitive and aware various members of our faculty and staff are about the experiences our students have had because of COVID. You know, I, I rewind to, um, I forget whether it was this, this fall 2021 or fall 2020, um, uh, it, it was in the COVID, it was in a fall COVID blur, um, but I, I, I believe I remember in both semesters just folks being overwhelmed by having to find ways to accommodate student needs and being eager to learn more and how this led to such great engagement either with uh, one of our collaborative workshops with the Center for Teaching and Learning or with the Penn First Plus Ambassador Program. Just folks being eager to, you know, figure it out so they can have as many members of their classroom community or uh, community of practice um, or access their resources as possible. I think um, we'll, be, we'll be exiting the current moment with greater sensitivity and compassion for the needs of others. And, and that gives me a lot of encouragement. Mark, thanks so much. That beautiful line about exiting it with compassion, leaving this moment with more compassion. That's that's beautiful. Keisha, how would you respond to this question? Thank you, Leah. Um, wow, Mark, you, you really unpacked that very well. Um, um, I, I would say that, um, so thank you both for for, for highlighting and, 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 and recognizing uh, the complexity that we all, we all have had to navigate these past couple of couple of years, not just within our Penn community, but also within our society. And so if I'm thinking in terms of um, like my work here at Penn, I would have to say that it's been particularly challenging in delivering a virtual 
and then a hybrid version of the pre-freshman program. Um, during that time, we learned so much. Uh, we learned of uh, the non-academic barriers. Uh, you see it in literature, but you know, just to see it firsthand of when students are not together and the playing field is leveled, you know, there were barriers and challenges that some students experienced, whether it was access to technology, um, whether it was housing or food insecurity or any other factors. Uh, it could have been watching siblings. Um, and these factors could have competed with the student's time and ability to fully engage in the academic, the social, and the, com the community building aspects um, of the program. So although that was a challenge, I would have to say a joy is um, through these partnerships that we've all, we're all talking about, like through campus partnerships, um, learning how to effectively utilize or overutilize, if you, however you want to take it, um, Zoom technology um, and the resiliency of our students, faculty, and staff, we were able to pivot. We were able to pivot through that virtual and that hybrid delivery. And we were able to adapt um, uh, through all of the changes that came our way. So in fact, um, another encouragement that I have is how our program was able to grow actually and serve the largest cohort in the program's history during our virtual delivery. However, students and faculty both share their preference um, of having an in-person program. So that, that also speaks to that sense of belonging, that community and importance of connection. Um, another encouragement that I have, and Mark alluded to this already, is that things are opening up. So the fact that things are opening, we, we're planning for, to provide a fully in-person PFP this summer. And so um, we're actually in the recruitment process of selecting our incoming peer mentor team. And our candidates are amazing peer students. They were full of pride. They are full of pride. Uh, they came with creative and innovative ideas. And so this always gives me joy uh, when I interact with and I learn from students and colleagues both. Um, so that gives me joy and, and, I, and I'm looking forward to a great uh, 2022 PFP. Yay, Keisha, I'm so glad it will be in person and, and so much hope uh, is look for, looking forward to that. And then also just all you shared again about collaboration. I really appreciate that um, coming out of this session, thinking about all the ways you collaborate. So Hatef, how about you? What have been the challenges? What has brought you joy? Thank you for that question. I also want to echo everything that um, Mark and Keisha said. I would say one of the challenges is the pan community experience and exhaustion as a result of the pandemic and everything else that you mentioned at the beginning of this question. Um, our goal is to really provide our students with exciting in-person events and opportunities where they can excel in their academic goals, um, speak their mind, promote free speech, and take care of their mental health. But obviously, because of the pandemic over the last two and a half years, it's been so difficult to accomplish some of our goals. Having said that, the pandemic has also taught us some new ways of thinking, programming, teaching, and connecting with our colleagues and our students. We're always thinking of creative ways to stay engaged with our students, welcome them to our beautiful space, and continue to serve as a resource and an advocate uh, to all of them. Another challenge uh, that we have been experiencing over the last few years is fostering a sense of community uh, amongst, our amongst our FIGLI student leadership. 
there is a sense of need for us uh, to help our student leaders with developmental opportunities where they can put on events and programs for the respective communities and in that process learn new skills. Um, but many of them are just fatigued and have uh, you know, been dealing with different competing priorities, which is impacting their availability and at times their energy to meet and to work in collaboration with different organizations. However, um, you know, help is coming and the future is looking promising and we're all excited about re-engaging with our student leaders more effectively after spring break. Now, with these challenges, some of the joyful, some of the joyful things that come to mind are, you know, as, as, as one of them is that I'm very thankful for having a supportive and an understanding senior leaders, colleagues, and team members who can relate to each other's experiences, challenges, and successes, who can check up on you and see how you're doing personally and how they can serve as a support system to you uh, on a personal and professional level. Um, I also, you know, try to look at the glass half full and be optimistic about the future. There are many opportunities for us as a department and the university to better support our faculty students and streamlining resources to create path to success. So I'm enthused about the remain, remaining of the semester and finishing the year on a strong note, uh, getting ready for PFP and then NSO before we embark on a new academic year. Hatev, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, it, I mean, thank you for acknowledging the fatigue that your students are facing, that many are facing, but thank you also for acknowledging the kind of amazing team that you have, and I vouch for that 100%, and the other colleagues at Penn. We really appreciate being just right across the um, hallway from you in College Hall. So I want to thank our guests so much. We've enjoyed our time with you and are so grateful for the ways you serve and care for the Penn community. Thank you. Please join us in April as we visit with another one of our partner organizations and learn about their thoughts on the Penn community and the practices they use to sustain their work here.